Good morning, Bethesda. Good morning, Kentucky. It is good to be back here. I lived here uh, 2007, 8, and 9. I worked at the Assemblies of God headquarters, and that was a miracle. I should never have stepped foot in that place, but I did, and I survived. And I learned a lot and actually got ordained through the Assemblies of God as well. Um, I'm pretty excited about that. I'm excited to be here this morning. I'm not bringing an easy message. I hope that's okay. All right. I'm here to challenge you. I'm here to stretch you, everyone, across the board, about what Jesus' heart is for a certain kind of people. We like to say we're a special kind of people. <laughs> so we're our, I'm here to give that message, if that's okay. Do you mind praying with me, though? Father, thank you. I look out at your sons and your daughters, and they are beautiful. And they are yours. You are hurting for some of them. And you're rejoicing with others. But you love them all equally. Lord, I ask that you would please speak through me today. Less of me and more of you. Help us to have a good time, though, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, when I was praying about what to say here, you know, I just have a common message. And it's my testimony, it's my story, and I'm going to show you throughout all the years of my life. I'm 19. Someone says, she looks really good for 19. Please, somebody, tell me that, okay? All right, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, but I have one message, and that's what the Lord has done in my life. And that's what I walk around and travel around and do different things. Yesterday morning, I was in Daytona preaching to an, about 80 uh, women that were over 80 years old. And it was really neat, and three received Christ as their Savior. And I'm like, wow, God, that you would use a person like me. And then I drove to Jacksonville, Florida, and hopped on a plane, landed in Cincinnati at midnight, and laid my head down at 2.09 a.m. this morning. So <laughs> I don't know about you, but I can outsleep a teenager. So <laughs> I might struggle up here a little bit this morning. If you have your Bibles with me, though, let's take it straight to Jesus. I want to start with a scripture. Many of you know, many people in the church know this scripture. You can quote it to me backwards, but I want to know if you believe it. Even through your own pains, your own struggles, the very things in your life that make you go, mm, I see that in other people's lives, but not so much mine. So I'm flipping to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 17 and 18. If you're ready, say amen. If you're not ready, say amen. I guess I'll wait a second. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> okay. God, you are faithful. The New Living Translation, which I believe you guys use, says, uh, well, you know what? Let's go ahead and back up to verse 16. We have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and the new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. I want to say one word about this scripture. Quality. 
What quality of life are you living? Are you living in your past or are you living for your future? So many people, and I look out at this room and I have a little bit of discernment. I know there are some hurting people here because I know in this world today, lots of people are hurting. We have a very real enemy. His mission is to kill, steal, and destroy. He hates you. He hates you. Your problem is not because we have a God who does not care. Your problem is because we have an enemy who is out to destroy you. He's out to kill you. Let me give you a little bit of my testimony, a little bit of backdrop. I'm southern to the core. Now, I know you guys are a little bit more north of me, but can I just say at least we're all redneck? That was not a good enough laugh. Do I have any rednecks in the house? Okay, thank you, Pastor Ben. Thank you. I've got a really good witness on the front row. I'm so grateful for my heritage. I'm so grateful for my roots. I come to Kentucky, and I'm like, I could honestly live here for the rest of my life because it takes me back to my childhood. I was the type of person, I was the baby of seven. I was raised out in what's called our neck of the woods. Do you live in that? Do you know what that is? I see some good heads bobbing out there. That's good. I lived in our neck of the woods. It was a small community. But living out in that neck of the woods, we had a lot of secrets. What we didn't have was traffic lights. We didn't have paved roads. We had a farm. We, had, we raised our own cattle. We grew our own garden. We canned our own vegetables. We churned our own butter. We had some exciting times as a kid. I also know what a switch is. Hey, I don't know, Mr. Ernie. He might need to go down to the basement with the kids. I don't know. But who, know, who does not know what a switch is? Hello, Kentucky. <laughs> this is great. Hello, Kentucky. Um, I remember being punished with, with that switch, and you had to go and you had to pick your own, and you better pick a good one because if it broke, you're getting double the, double the trouble. Okay? Oh, Mr. Ernie, you and I, we're going to have a good time. We'd go fishing in every waterhole. We'd go hunting in the camp. We'd show up at midnight. My dad was an avid hunter. I remember one time I was so hungry when we showed up out of the hunting camp. And I looked on the picnic table. And I wasn't only the baby of seven. I was the runt. You know, everyone thought I was the milkman's because I was just completely different from everybody. And I saw a banana moon pie. And I weaved through everybody. And I grabbed that banana moon pie. And I ate it so fast. And it was delicious. It was great. Um, that was my childhood. It was fantastic. I always re- I remember getting in trouble a lot. Anybody get in trouble a lot? A whole lot more than two of you, I know. Okay, I'm going to alter call for liars later, okay? <laughs> I got in trouble a lot. I was always um, falling off of horses, climbing trees, falling out of trees, in and out of the doctor, just everything you can imagine. I remember being chased by dogs and being chased by a rooster. This is Kentucky. You know what I'm talking about. I hated that rooster. I hated that rooster. And one time I came home from school, and my daddy said, Sugar, you don't ever have to worry about that there rooster no more. However, there's a pot of chicken and dumplings right there on the stove. Help yourself. (laughs) Those are the best chicken and dumplings I ever ate. I promise. I was tough as nails. I had to be, I truly am to the core redneck, but even more, I saw that I was a survivor. In saying all of this, living out in those woods, everything was shh, shh. 
What goes on at home stays at home. Good, bad, indifferent, undetermined. You don't talk about what goes on behind closed doors. Our home was plagued with affairs and alcoholism, abuse. It seemed like the more older I got, the more and more uh, good memories I did not have in my home life. Having so much pain in our home, so much abuse. I remember we would sneak out of the windows and go call the law because our dad would be beating our mom. And that same mom would lock us out of the house at midnight because she would have her friends over. And I'm trying to be a little sensitive over some of the ears in here. But I think as adults, we can all figure out what I'm talking about. I remember by the time I was 11 years old, I was a full-blown alcoholic. I used to take my daddy's Budweiser's and I would tip them and they'd say, Look at Jennifer. Isn't she so cute? And that turned me into one of the biggest alcoholics you've ever set your eyes on. I promise. We watched our childhood stare fear in the face. I know this is a missions conference. And I don't know exactly what you guys have been talking about for the last couple of days for your conference. But I'm a missionary to the United States of America. And I'm a missionary with my story, with people who are hurting right here in my own country, in my own towns, in my own communities that share the same heart that I share. I remember having so much fear as a child. I ended up in foster homes being abused. I went to my foster mom and she had had a surgery and she had prescription speed. They called it diet pills, but it was just speed. And I would eat them by the handfuls and be molested by my foster dad and my uncle. And all of these things just kept happening to me in my life. So by the time I was 14 years old, who has 14 year old children or grandchildren? Yeah. Or younger. Let's even go to 11. By the time I'm 14 years old, I'm done. I'm done with life. I ran away from home, only finishing the eighth grade. To this day, I still have only an eighth grade education. And I'm going to tie that in in just a few more minutes. Something happens to a child. Something happens to a person when all that you see in your life is this abuse. And you experience this abuse. Year after year after year after year, as any child would, as any hurting person would, I'm going to grab a hold of whatever will let me hold on to it. Sadly, that was drugs. Sadly, that was alcohol. Uh, I ended up becoming a teenage mother after years and years and years of drug addiction. I, I got married to a man that was twice my age. I was looking for a father figure, they say. I don't know. I was just looking for some attention. Have you ever been out there just looking for some attention? I've been out there looking for some attention. I became that teenage mother, and I divorced my first husband and married my second husband, and I divorced him. I was divorced twice by the time I was 24 years old. Somebody say, I thought she said she was only 19. Oh, I'll be the first one at the altar call for liars later, okay? I became numb to life. I became um, just a mess. Just a mess. By the time I was 24 years old, I had divorced my second husband. 
I had become on what would be called my drug of choice. I chose anything. I don't know what they mean, what's your drug of choice. I take it all. I'm kind of an extremist. I'm kind of, you know, I like to go all in or nothing. I'm one of those. Do we have any of those here, all in or nothings? All in or nothing. <laughs> I know one of you. <laughs> I know you are. So I went all in, and little did I know that the next eight years of my life would be exponentially worse than the first 24 years of my life. I had started smoking crack cocaine, and in that, within a couple of months, I ended up homeless on the streets. I was a prostitute on the streets, and I was now in survival mode. Let me go ahead and tell you one thing. Jesus has taken away every bit of my shame. Praise God. I have absolutely no shame to stand before you. I'm always sensitive to children, but before men, before women, because all of us struggle with something in our life. Look, I'm married. I know it's hard. I have six children. I know it's hard. But before all of that, I came out of this abuse in this world that wants to turn you into the basket case so it can have company. That's it. I don't, you know, as you hear me talk about being a prostitute or being a drug addict or being a convicted felon or a three-page arrest record, and you just fill in the blanks with all of these that we'll go through, you need to know that I am set free by the blood stripes of Jesus Christ. I have zero shame, zero embarrassment. My main mission is to set the captives free. You may never have drunk a drop of alcohol. You may never have smoked a joint or slept outside of wedlock. And you're saying to me, Jennifer, I can't even identify with your story. Why am I even here today? In a world like this, I know that I know that I know someone in your family is in that condition. I know they are. And you have given up hope. And you have given up on a God of hope who says that he has come to set the captives free. It is him. I remember being on those streets for year after year after year, smoking $1,000 of crack a day, as much heroin as I could get my hands on. Don't you dare let me walk in your house and see your pills. I didn't care. It's a miracle that I have a half a brain today. That's sometimes I think that's all I have. <laughs> and, you know, but I'm like, God, why me? Why did I have to walk through all of these things year after year after year of abuse? And I was blaming God for every bit of my hell on earth. God, you are able to make this different. Why won't you do this for me? I didn't even know that God. I didn't serve him. He didn't have my heart. He didn't have my life. I was challenging him just to prove his existence wrong. The Bible says in James, we flee from the works of the enemy. We submit to God. We submit to God, and then the enemy must flee. I had no, I wasn't submitting to God. I wasn't doing any of that. I was doing everything in my power to support a $1,000 a day addiction. I was robbing people, robbing houses. I left my son. I walked out of my four-year-old son life after dragging him into crack house after crack house after crack house and him watching with his little eyes the things that his mother was doing. 
And I walked right out of his life. And I never spoke to him for six years. His father was from Kentucky, moved him up here to Kentucky, never knew. Didn't speak to that kid for years and years and years. I went in and out of jail. I have prostitution. I'm a convicted felon. Most people say, well, I would have never looked at you. And guess what is a convicted felon supposed to look like? You know, may I ask? If we can be a little less judgmental? What is a convicted felon supposed to look like? A hardened criminal? Well, let me show you some pictures then. That was me. And I'm sorry they're a little blurry. Um, this was me. Go ahead and go to the next one if you don't mind, Leslie. I had some hair. Everyone say, I wish I had hair like that. <laughs> okay, that's why it's all cut off today. I can't take care of that. And go ahead and go to the next one. I was 80, 85 pounds. That's a far cry from what I'm now. We won't necessarily discuss it, but I guarantee you I've earned every one of these fat rolls you'll never see. I'm wearing a Spanx and a girdle. Can I get an amen, ladies? Can I get an amen? Okay. I can't wait to get home. I can't think we're going for pizza afterwards. I'm like, if we need to swing by the house first because nothing's going in there. Okay? So I'm 80, 85 pounds, and I'm just a mess. Go ahead and let's see that red dress. I looked really good in that picture, dot, 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 I thought. <laughs> and uh, this was me. But you can see how, if you can see on my hands how discolored they are and how skinny I was. And I was, I went to the hospital twice for overdosing. Nothing was stopping me. Nothing. I had sores on my face. I had rotten teeth. When I speak in some arenas, I have... I have um, false teeth because I have none. I have none. I've had my front ones repaired. And I'm grateful for that. I don't ever wear my false teeth because they make me talk like this because you just kind of snap them in. And then I, just, I really sound kind of funny. And people are like, where are you from, Britain? <laughs> yes, I'm a British redneck, honey. Okay, <laughs> there is such a thing. Uh, and stuff, but I've even gotten over the shame of bearing the marks of the streets and the person I once was. Remember the old life, the past life. And God has made everything new. I locked myself in a closet. I had severe schizophrenia. Does anyone know what that is? I was paranoid. I would, these windows might. These might have been okay windows, actually. But if those were clear windows, you would have never got me in this room. Because people were watching me and chasing me and trying to kill me and all of these different things. And I, I just kept this mentality. And I was on this drug because I was sick. And then I would eat all of those in a day and have to get these drugs and that. And where are you, God? Where are you? If... You are such a good God. Why am I walking through all of this? And I know now, let me tell you one thing. God will never put a sickness on you. He sent Jesus to heal, not to make sick. He will never get you drunk. He will never, ladies and men, force himself on you like others have. So I'm locked in this closet, and I'm crying out to a God 
I did not even know. If you are real, if you are the Son of God, do something with that cross in my life. Please. I walked out of that closet scared to death because the person on the other side said if, I, if they saw me, they were going to kill me, and that's why I was locked in that closet to begin with. But I knew that person had left. I heard the truck, and I ran, and I ran into town, and I never looked back. But I heard the audible voice of God in that closet that day. God, help me. I want to die. Have you ever said that? I'm done. I cannot take any more. I just can't do this any longer. One more time, another day, fill in your blank. Those are mine. And I heard the audible voice of God say, Finally, now I can do something with you. The Bible says that when I cry to him, he will hear me. And he will help me. And I cried and have cried many tears ever since. I walked out of that closet with three warrants for my arrest. I walked into a church. I promise you, if you ever thought lightning bolts were coming, this would be the time. Okay? I promise. I walked into church looking like that in my high heels. And people were staring at me. This isn't your normal church I walked in either. And they were staring and they were looking, but I did not see them. I heard the gospel message and it changed my life instantly. I walked into what they call the Welcome Center, where you can, it was a large church, it was like 2,000 people. It was really easy for me to look different in this church. I walked up to the Welcome Center and said, and the lady's like, <clears throat> can I help you? And I'm like, yes, please help me. She said, okay, just one minute. Patsy, Patsy, I need you over here like now. And Patsy came over and Patsy said, sugar, she was from Georgia. She was deep, deep in the woods of Georgia. Sugar, she put any of us Kentucky and Florida rednecks to shame. Just what do you need? I'm like, well, I need a house. <laughs> I need a phone. I need a job. I need something. She goes, okay, you meet me in my office here tomorrow at 9 a.m. I'm like, okay. I still don't even want to do that. You know? But I did. I did. Still had warrants for my arrest. I went to church for about two weeks, and she took me under her wing, and she nurtured me, and she loved me, and she would not let go of me. She listened she listened to me. She wasn't sitting there thinking, oh, okay, what am I going to say next? She would stop. And she would hear me. And then when I totally surrendered my life to God, he took this woman right here on a journey. It's been a fantastic journey. I have been privilege to be out of the country. Now, I love foreign missions, don't get me wrong. I go on many, many mission trips. I'll never forget the first time I was going on a mission trip. I was going to Africa, and I was like, I sure wish I could go on a mission trip. And God's like, well, you can. I'm, I'm kind of big like that. 
And uh, so I said, okay, well, how am I going to get the money? You're going to ask. I asked, and I went to Africa, and I found out I had to get a passport. So I went to go get a passport, and they're like, go ahead and stand up against that wall. And I'm like, oh, it's a setup, okay? It's a setup, all right? You done looked at my record, okay? NASA, I'm not going. I'm not going to Africa. I'm going to take this little $1,800 and give it back out. I'm not going anywhere. She's like, sugar, it's okay. It's a passport. I mean, I was scared. I used to have to get permission to leave the county, okay? Now I'm leaving the country, and she's wanting me to stand up against this block wall. Has anyone ever been to jail? You don't have to raise your hand. Hey! (laughs) On the front row, baby. You are in the right place today. (laughs) On the front row. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. So I went to Africa and found out that we had a really big God. He wasn't just God of Gainesville or Florida or America. He was God of this nation, this world, this atmosphere, this whole universe, the the creator of all. And it rocked my world. And I've been everywhere ever since. I've been to Thailand, Israel twice. If you ever have the chance, please go. Please go. I don't care if it takes every dime out of your bank account and everybody else's too. Please go. It is worth it. I've been all over this country just speaking and talking. And I'm like, God, how can you use me like this? 2 Chronicles 16, 9 says that God searches to and from, to and fro, the earth, trying to look for a heart that's fully committed to him. I was fully committed to drug addiction. I was fully committed to the streets. I knew that I had, I had to give it my best effort to stay clean because I loved getting high until I didn't have anything, and then I hated it. And then as soon as I got some, I loved it, and then I hated it. As soon as I got some, I, you know, it's, it's demonic. It's a demon. And I served that demon well. So I had to serve my God well. He took me on so many different journeys. I was able to um, repair the relationship with my mother and my father and my biological son who's now 26 years old and my absolute best friend. But he took me on this journey of healing and loving and trusting him. I got back into my son's life and he's like, Mom, just what did you do? Just what did you do? Church, I did not sweep it under the rug. I did not pretend like I didn't do all these things. I told my son, because who knows that in this world, in our culture right now, that they're already being taught these things everywhere. And we want to sugarcoat it, and we want to babyfy it, and we can't. Satan is after your children, and your grandchildren, and your marriage, and your relationships, and your life. He's after you. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. But God came to give you life and give it to you abundantly. I'm completely restored to my son. As an ordained minister, I got to officiate his wedding. He's like, Mom, Kelsey and I want you to do our wedding. I know, baby, Mama can't do that. Mama just can't do that. All the criers in the house. Can I see the criers in the house? Okay. I didn't see any men raise their hand. (laughs) Hey, okay. I knew it was you because I could tell the way you laughed. (laughs) So I'm like, no, baby, I can't do that. He's like, no, Mom. Now, this is a kid. I walked out of his life, never spoke to him, hiding her hair. 
for six years from four to 11. It was six years. I know that adds up in seven in Kentucky. I'm, I'm with you, but it was six years. In and out of jail, in and out of life, in and out of addiction, out of his life 100%. And God completely restored that. He's like, Mom, we want you to do our wedding. So I did. I got to do his wedding. And it was one of the biggest joys of my life. And now she's pregnant. I'm going to be a granny. I'm so, I've already spent like $800 on clothes. My husband says one more dollar and I'm, you're gone. (laughs) You're gone. You're just gone. You're just gone. But let me talk about that for a second. You've done some things in your past. And you're still carrying a whole lot of shame, a whole lot of embarrassment, a whole lot of baggage. A whole lot. Today is the day to let that go. God is not a God that he is surprised by you. If we believe that God really is creator of the earth and the Bible says that he knew us from the foundation of the world, that he knows the end from the beginning, Isaiah 46, 10, one of my absolute favorite scriptures, then he already knew what you would be going through. No, again, he did not put that on you, but he had a plan, a plan to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. Have you lost your hope? I still doubt sometimes. I still doubt, my goodness, God, are you even real? And he's like, wow, Jen, wow, really? And I can just look back. And even when I was on the streets and I was eating out of garbage cans because I was so hungry and there was no food and we'd go back out outside of five-star pizza and they would throw all the pizza and stuff away at the end of the night and we would eat that. I'm like, you know what, God? I want you to perspective. You fed me. You fed me. I was starving. I was hungry. And you fed me. I would go out back of Salvation Army and I would dumpster dive and get clothes. I was naked. And you clothed me. I went to, I was incarcerated so many times. I don't even know. You came to see me. I'd sit by the garbage can there because I was used to eating out of one anyway. Like, you, you going to throw that away? <laughs> okay? Come, I, I, I'll take that, you know? It, Except the tuna. You need to throw that away, I promise. That was some nasty stuff. But he was always there. And little by little, next month, November 5th, I celebrate 15 years of sobriety. I do. I bless him. I bless his holy name. I know... I'm not really 19, okay? (laughs) I'm really not. I'm 29. (laughs) 39 and beyond. Um, But I'm celebrating 15 years of sobriety. But I still had 21 years of drug addiction. Full-blown by 11. I was 31 when I came into the church. 20-plus years. I've got five more to go to cancel it out. Now, the God said that he was going to give me double what the enemy took from me. Uh, he gave me my son back. I could never have asked for anything more. I am content in all things. My son forgives me. We sat and we talked and we sat and we talked and we prayed and he received Christ and got baptized and now he's in the army. Uh, well, he graduated University of Louisville. Don't throw rocks. 
please don't throw rocks. He's actually a Gator fan. I know, basketball's coming. <laughs> Trust me, I know. <laughs> but he graduated the first in my entire family, my entire bloodline, the first person to ever graduate high school and go to college. In my entire bloodline. Deuteronomy 30:19 says that I call heaven and earth as a witness that I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Yeah. Now choose life that it will go well with you and your descendants. Mama, have you chosen life? Daddy, have you chosen life? It will go well with you and your descendants. And even when they say, you did this to me. No, I didn't. We don't war against flesh and blood. We war against principalities and powers of darkness. And you better rise up, soldier. Or you're going to die this way. And it's not a death you want to die because it's not the abundant life that God has come to give you. I know it's really easy to look at me and say, well, this is all good for you, Jennifer, but it's too hard for me. No, it's not. You really, really, really can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens you. My first year of sobriety was, oh, honey, I had a $1,000 a day crack habit sores all over my face, rotten teeth, just mess. I had to take Brillo pads just to wash my feet. I know what God can do to a life that's fully yielded to him, but you better fully yield. Show me who you hang out with. I'll show you who you are. Amen. You better make some wiser choices with your company. I don't want to hurt them, honey. They could care less about how much they're hurting you. You better get real with your life. You better get real with your life. So I'm reunited with my son. I found three nonprofit ministries in Gainesville. I'm blessed to be able to do that. I have a heart for the streets. I have a heart for prostitutes. I have a heart for addictions. I have a, a heart for domestic violence. And that's men and women. Not all women are innocent, honey. I broke up several marriages intentionally just to get that money. Not all women are innocent. In fact, until we receive Christ, we are all guilty. Every one of us. But also we are equal in his eyes. All sin is gross to God. I'm reunited with my son. I started a couple of nonprofit ministries, work in the streets and and um, I have a, a Christian rehab now that I take women in off of the streets and out of addiction, out of incarceration. And we have a six-month residential program. And I mentor these women hands-on, one-on-one, pour my life into them. It's great. It's fantastic. But God took me even another step because all things are possible with God. That's the cutest girl. Please just let her have fun. Please let her have fun. Let her have fun. Have a seat. Don't let the enemy distract you. I'm good. I'm good. Okay? I have six kids. I wish one of them was that cute. <laughs> Especially her little boots. Okay? Um, but have peace about that. I'm good. Uh, so in that, God said, you know what, Jennifer? Because I've been faithful over little. He's given me more. 
I want to talk about that for a second. What does it look like to be faithful over little? I think I might be going over time. Am I okay? I'm good? Y'all good? All right, just throw a rock at me and I'll leave. Or a piece of pizza. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want any Chinese food from Kentucky, though. <laughs> if you own a restaurant here, I am so sorry. Yours is the exception. <laughs> The Bible says he who is faithful over little will be given more. Our first day of sobriety or our first day out of our chaos, let's just put it that way. We want it all. We want our overnight microwave drive through God. God, you said you were, I gave you this amount of time like we have time in our hands. I gave you this amount of time to do something with my life. You didn't do it. Let me tell you about a process. Be faithful with your money. This is one of the biggest things. I just lost half of you. I'm sorry. Come back. I promise it's good. Be faithful with your money. When I came into the church, I was $50,000 in debt. $50,000. Now I'm only $2,000 in debt. I do every day, okay? All these hundreds and hundreds of dollars of payments. Now I only have one. It's $50 a month. And come income tax time, it's going to be paid off. Amen. Amen. But let me tell you, I walked into that church, and I'll just tell you, it was a very, very rich church. It was, I mean, they they worried about what kind of crown molding they were going to put up, not how their plumbing's working. And I said, um, God started saying, I want you to serve in this church. And I said, uh, okay, what does that look like? And so I went, I'm like, hey, you know, they started to know me now. I'm bebopping all around. I'm just full of energy. He who's been forgiven much loves much. Everything is good. Let's go, let's go. I want to serve. And I'm like, I want to do something for this church. I see all these people doing all these neat things and stuff. What can I do? And they said, well, we really need someone to clean the bathrooms. Scrub toilets? I guess that's okay. They're like, we'll pay you. Deal. (laughs) Deal. And then I felt so strongly in my spirit, don't you dare take that money. You said you wanted to serve me. If you don't take that money, I'll bless the the work of your hands in everything you do. And I'm like, but God, if I take the money, I'll have more, and now I can tithe. We try to manipulate God. He's kind of smart. Don't take the money. Okay. So I put in my little, they didn't have iPods and stuff like that. Even 15 years ago, I put in my little MP3 player, you know, and I'd sing. I do not sound like Pastor Leslie, okay? I don't. I don't at all. I sound like Tanya Tucker driving a Mack truck, right? It is bad. It is bad. And I'd just sing, and I'd scrub those toilets, and I got advanced. I got to vacuum the sanctuary. <laughs> and pick up the trash and all of that. And then I had this idea, wow, if I can pick up trash, I can pick up people for church. So I did. I started picking up people, and I started. And they are like, we were, <laughs> you're bringing some odd people to church. I'm like, aren't they beautiful? Aren't they beautiful in the sight of the Lord? So I started being faithful with that. And then God started putting on my heart. He gave me a great job at the Home Depot. He, uh, I'm a convicted felon. I'm like, do you have anything where you don't have to do background checks? 
you know, and um, the, actually my sister knew the HR lady, she's like, I do actually, and I'm like, good, okay, because it could be a red flag or two on there, like three pages long, so I start working there, and I'm, I'm getting paid decent, I have my own place now, I'm, I'm juggling my bills, dodging every collector on planet earth, but I'm doing it, and I knew that I knew that I knew God had already spoken to me, that first 10% goes to him, no tags, no, I want this to go for this. It is you give to the ministry and God gives back. Shaken together, pressed down, and still overflowing. He is faithful. Please listen to me. I don't want to lose you in this. It's important that you know the faithfulness of God. God started having me pay off my debt. He's like, go pay off your bad checks at Publix. And I'm like, oh, that one's going to hurt. <laughs> There's a few of those, <laughs> okay? So I walk into Publix with $500 cash, and I, I said, can I speak to the manager? Manager comes. I said, sir, I stole from you. He's like, okay. I said, this was years ago. I was on drugs. I'm not on drugs anymore. I'm here to pay for those checks. But I don't have the money for the bounce check fee. You know, because there was a whole lot more to go with that. It was like seven checks altogether. And he's like, that's okay. That's okay. So they go and they look in their computer systems now, and they don't find anything. And they're like, oh, it's fine. You know, it's, I'm like, no, 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 no. My God told me to pay this debt. I'm not leaving until I pay this debt. And they went to their paper ledgers, and they found me. And I paid my debt. And I started being faithful over my money, and I tithe, and sometimes it hurts. It's, I say I'm, I have about $2,500 left uh, in debt, but I've, in the process of that, I bought a brand new car, paid it off a year early, doubled up on my payments. Um, I have a nice home. I, I pay my bills. I pay my tithe, everything on time. And then I give above. I give above that because it's not mine. God, you provided me to eat out of garbage cans. Here I am for you. Here I am. I adopted two children. They told me I couldn't become a legal guardian because I was a convicted felon. I said, so I can adopt them and make them fully mine? That makes perfectly great sense. Okay? So I adopted two children about three and a half years ago. January would be four. And it's, been, it's a single mom single moms, I feel you. I absolutely feel your pain. Lonely women, lonely men, I understand. Year after year after year, God, who would marry me? Who would want me? I've been defiled in some of the worst ways you could ever imagine because of drug addiction, because of being molested. I had innocence taken from me that I can't give back to someone who would marry me. So I just determined to stay single my whole life. But God miraculously brought this incredible man into my life. And within four months, we were married. I don't recommend that, small children. We were 44 and 46 at the time, okay? We, are, uh, we weren't trying to find ourselves. okay? <laughs> Let me just put it that way. But we knew that there was a calling of God on his life, a calling of God on my life. And if we actually team up for the kingdom, that two are better than one. 
and they can help each other succeed. So in four months, we got married. He's still alive. I'd like to kill him sometimes. <laughs> I know how. I know people. Okay? He sleeps with one eye open sometimes. <laughs> I hit him with the pillow. I was so mad at him. I was like, I mean, because I can scrap. Okay? I'm just like, you are going down in my mind. <laughs> okay? I'm not ever going to hit you. But one time I swung that pillow at him, and he says, you're going to jail, felon. <laughs> I'm like... I know more people than you. I'm not going anywhere. Pack your stuff. You know, <laughs> so we, I get it. But this is a man who has two master's degrees, a bachelor's degree, and is a registered nurse degree, which is a bachelor's as well. And I'm just sitting over here like a boss with my eighth grade education, okay? <laughs> I was like, amen. But because all things are possible with God, he too has three adopted children. So we have five adopted children at home, two nine-year-olds, an 11-year-old, 13-year-old, 15-year-old, four girls. I told God, stop right there. Don't pray for me ever again, okay? Please don't ever pray for me. God, you said you're going to give me double what the enemy took from me. Clearly, your math is not my math, okay? I lost one boy. I just needed one back. That's all. That's all. There's, these girls never fit in the equation because girls are so full of drama. I'm sorry if you are one, okay? But you are. You are. You know, I just posted on my husband's Facebook, you know, figuring out your wife is like trying to figure out the smell of number seven that went home. You know, like it makes no sense. It just makes no sense. And I'm, I have these girls now, and I'm just like, but I have a heart for women, to know your identity in Christ. To know that you are a new creation. Your baggage is gone. You may have a number in the state. I know mine still. Never will forget it. But you have a name to God. And it's written in the palm of his hands. I'm going to show you a picture of my family. The first picture. There's my family. The, yeah, amen. The good-looking guy, the nerd, that's my husband. Ladies, Mary, and nerd. Uh, they're wonderful. They're, he's a great guy. He's loyal. This is my um, biological son, Christopher, and his wife, Kelsey. And uh, this is before she was pregnant. This is before they were even married. And um, this is Madison and Jenna and Shelby and Tristan and Kaylee. Shelby and Tristan are the two that I adopted. And then the other three girls are who my husband adopted. And this is not the exact picture of our family, what we really look like on a daily basis, but we're clothed in white, if you notice. This is our first family photo, and the next one is, there we are, hardcore. This is so their personality. That is one mean little girl right there. <laughs> I'm just like, honey, I'm scared of you, okay? I'm so scared of that little girl right there. She, she's so mean. I'm just like, oh, honey. Me. It's okay. It's really okay. Uh, and Tristan, he's like, why do I have to be the only boy? Why? Why am I the only boy? And Jenna, she's as shy as she can be. She's going to turn her back every time. If you go to discipline her, she just shuts down. Jenna, are you okay? Jenna, go to your room. Jenna, sweep the floor. Jenna, eat candy. Okay. <laughs> you know, and Shelby and Madison are at competition with each other daily. 
daily. Yeah, that's my little mini-me. You'd think she came right out of my womb. Both of them, actually. And my son and his wife and me praising God. <laughs> and this is me now, that last picture, laughing in Satan's face. That's the day of my wedding. The happiest day of my life. This defiled, reject, Lazarus to society was fully accepted by God, completely set free. And he promises in Haggai 2.9 that my latter days will be greater than my former days. And all I have to do is believe. That's all I have to do. I know you may be walking through a little something, something. I don't know if they say that little quote here in Kentucky. A little something, something. I know it's hard and you want to give up, but my main message is don't give up. Satan can't do anything with a person that won't give up. There's nothing he can do. He can take good notes, but he doesn't know your future. He can see that you're, you're striving to maybe come off of drugs or out of alcohol or out of a relationship that you have no business being in. Or maybe just a judgment against those who are in those conditions. And you, you've washed your hands. Don't do that. You pray for that person and you don't give up. You pray for yourself. Did you know it's okay to pray for yourself? It's really okay. Please pray for yourself. God, help me. God, hear me. God, heal me. Please help me. I, uh, I'm in the middle of that prayer right now. I just had a biopsy to rule out cancer. I don't have cancer. In the name of Jesus Christ. I find out my medical results on Wednesday but I already know my heavenly results he heals all my diseases by the blood stripes of Jesus Christ I am healed I am just I don't walk in fear I don't fear sudden disaster I trust my God oh my goodness if I didn't get a disease on the street I'm sure not worried about this right here I mean can I get an amen from somebody please he's faithful He's faithful over me. He's faithful over you. Always has been. Always will be. Always. I want to close like this. It sounds cliche. It sounds churchy, but it's truth. Do you believe the Bible? Sometimes it's a choice. I get it. But if you always choose yes, you'll never struggle with no. God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were still sinners, that's me and you both, whosoever will call on his name shall be saved. 
And that word saved means made whole, made new. All this other stuff, it's gone. It is finished. You can hold tight to it because that's your story. Or you can let God hold on to it. And what has happened to you, God can use through you for his glory first. And then to help other people. Be made whole. There's something I know about every single person in this room. I know secrets. I know a secret about every single one, youngest to oldest. Every person in this room has been broken at some point in their life. Every single one. And it has been deep. It has been severe. It is real. And I will never disregard that. But not everybody in this room has been made whole. And today is your day to be made whole. You may have taken some bad choices because you were made whole, and but I slipped. The righteous man falls seven times but gets back up. They don't give up. Period. Satan can outweigh you if he knows you'll give up. So don't give up. Your sobriety is worth it. Some of you should be writing books. You know that. Some of you should be preaching in pulpits. You know that. I don't know what type of environment is in this particular part of Kentucky, but I know addiction is everywhere. You should be helping people. And you know that. You know that. And you've given up. Today is the day to pick that back up. Fully give your life to Christ and the calling that he has on your life. I just look out at this congregation right now, and I believe it's two separate churches coming together. It's Pastor Ben and Pastor Leslie's churches, but you meet at different times and all that. Do you know the power that in this church alone, what you could do in Kentucky? Is this eastern Kentucky? And let's just even start there. Let's start in your own church with the struggles. Instead of being embarrassed or saying, Sister Sue, you know what she did last night? Girl, let me tell you, because I know. You should embrace Sister Sue. If anyone's here named Sue, I don't know you, okay? <laughs> Let me say Brother Sue, okay? <laughs> Good boy named Sue. Not many people still know about a boy named Sue. Come together. Link arms. Love one another. This is the body of Christ. And how much in our country right now do we need to stop dividing the body of Christ and coming into unity and praying for our country, praying for our leadership, praying for the people in our church. When's the last time you prayed for your pastor? Have you ever? Please pray. I don't know that Pastor Ben's ever sinned a day in his life. But he has said yes to the call of God on his life. And he stands in this pulpit week after week after week delivering a message that he has put on his heart through the word of God. I know you guys have been talking about your gauges in life and, and how do you gauge? Don't you wish you had a gauge? 
says, you're on empty. You're about to overheat. You're in danger. You're driving too fast. Cop will tell you that real quick. <laughs> I wish we had those gauges. We do. It's called the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. You know when you're doing wrong. You are a smart cookie. You know. Now, I'll flip you off and cuss you out sometimes in a heartbeat. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's nothing I'm proud of. Um, but I have some anger issues that I have to work through sometimes. Because all of these years of abuse, I'm in a refiner's fire. And God says, just be faithful over the little, Jen, and I'll give you more. I have debt, but I also have money in my bank account. I lost my children, and now I have seven, because I have a daughter-in-law, and grandbabies, and it will be well with them. My son's active duty in the Army, I honor the flag. Thank you, God. I could go on forever just about how real God is to me and all that he has done in my life and all that he wants to do in your life. But we get lazy, we get complacent, and we doubt. God doesn't condemn you for doubt. Thomas, one of his apostles, doubted. And he said, that's fine, touch me. Just touch me. You need to touch him. I'm going to do um, an altar call. And I don't care how many people come up to this altar and pray. The altar is not just for salvation, but you will need to come and make that your first step. The altar is also where you die to self. All throughout the Old Testament, they laid their rocks on altars. And those rocks represented different things in their life that they needed to lay at the foot of the cross. Don't pick it back up and go sit in the congregation and use it to stone someone later. Okay? Because we're good at that. Lay it at the cross. So we're going to say a prayer. It's so simple. But you must follow up with this prayer. If you have a dream, God has put in your heart, a dream, a vision. I want you to know I have always had a heart for women. Even when I was on the streets and hoarding my dope, I'd be like, you know what? There's a woman out there getting beat up, and I could bring her to this hotel room, and I could, I know it's not doesn't sound good, but I could give her stuff, and she wouldn't have to do things for it. And I see back through the fingerprints of God on my life how he's, he, has, he knew the end of from the beginning he knew that if I would just pick up the pieces every single time I fall that he would be there for me he will truly never leave me nor forsake me ever no matter how many slip-ups no matter how many lies I struggle not to believe you are beautiful you are fearfully and wonderfully made you are precious in his sight he loves you. He adores you. You are the apple of his eye. He set you as a seal upon his heart. He has good for you if only you believe. I know you're going to have to walk through some stuff because it's a battle. It's a spiritual battle. Satan wants you. 
He said it throughout scripture. And Jesus told Peter, Satan has asked to sift you, but do not fear. I have prayed for you. We have a Savior sitting at the right hand of God making intercession for you to succeed. And that's a word we don't use hardly ever in the church. Success. What does that look like? Why don't you read Joshua 1, 8, and 9? Hide this word in your heart. Do not let it depart from you. Then, be careful, it says, to do what it says. Then your ways will be prosperous and successful. How much are you in the word? Satan knows if he can distract you five minutes. Do you pick your phone up first? Or do you pick the word up first? I love there's a I love Facebook. It's my pulpit. I'm a Facebook pro. Love it. Look me up. You'll never see me cuss anyone, degrade anyone. You will always see me exalting the Lord Jesus Christ. Even when I don't feel like it. Especially when I don't feel like it. But I heard a quote, are you um, on Facebook or is your face in the book? Come on, saints. He is worthy of your time. He who is faithful over little will be given more. Give him five minutes. Let's say if you don't already. Five minutes. One chapter. Open Psalms. It would take you like 47 seconds to read Psalm chapter 1. It's like a muscle that I do not have. (laughs) You don't wake up overnight with muscles. You work at it. There's a reason why I will never, ever, ever, ever in my life in the name of Jesus Christ touch another drug or drink. Because I worked my muscles. By faith, I walk. Not by sight. And I trust that God who says, you will see good in the land of the living. Not when you die and get in. Some of you are just living for eternity to just go to heaven. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Why? Why don't you serve him as a missionary to your community right here, right now? I'm stuck. I'm bored. I don't know what to do. Do something. You will succeed at 100% of the shots you never take. Well, they don't want me to speak the name of Jesus. Speak it anyway. Do not fear. Do not entertain the thoughts of I'm nobody. You're created in the image of an almighty God, our creator. You will do even greater things than him. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? You better weep at this altar. God, please feel me because it's him that guides you into all truth oh beloved he's so faithful over you I hope I've spoken something into every one of your lives in some way even if it's just don't give up according to your faith may it be so let's pray I don't know exactly how your church does this. I'm just asking to be led by you, Holy Spirit. I'm not a numbers person. I'm a soul person. Jesus wants your soul. 
If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, today is your day. Stop playing. You can die in your sin. If you've given Jesus your life, but all you do is come to church and go home and then the rest of the week belongs to the world, stop. Today is your day to receive an abundant life. The life that's been planned for you. The life that is to be prosperous. The life that will give you a future. It's not too late. You're still breathing. If you would like to, or if you need to, know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please just, everyone, honor this moment and keep your heads bowed. This is a holy moment. If you are that person or people, do me a favor, slip your hand up. I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Amen. 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 Yes, Lord. You are faithful, God. Holy are you, God. We revere you. We honor you. We exalt you, Lord. We rejoice with you, Lord. I want, in just a couple of minutes, those people to come up and pray with me. Who is dry? We sung earlier, raise dry bones. Who is dry and given up on their calling? Raise your hand. Let me see. Amen. Amen. I prophesy over you. Dry bones, raise up. Fight the battle that the Lord has given to you to win. You need to come to this altar and you need to repent. And you need to ask God to fill you anew. Who's just existing? You know Jesus, but you're just existing. Who is it? Let me see your hand. Hallelujah. 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 We're going to play some music and sing some songs. Why don't you guys just stand in awe of God and what he is doing in this church, what he is doing in your life? And why don't you worship him and pray? And I want anyone that raised their hand to come to the altar and pray with me. You are deeply loved. We worship you, Lord. God bless you, church. God bless you.
said you wait for the crown Tell the world of the treasure you found Oh, come to Everybody just sing those words if you would. Jennifer was speaking earlier she talked about having no shame and I believe there's a point in our life where we need to lay down our shame and just let it be known who we are and I'm telling you it's an empowering thing when you will just admit to the faults and failures you have there's some people in this room you struggle with cussing there's some people in this room that deal with pornography there's some people that deal in this room with addiction to drugs. There's people in this room that has problems and addictions to alcohol. I just want to see a raise of hands. How many will say right now and openly declare this is no close the eyes thing and hide under that shame of that. I want you to be open right now. How many will say I struggle, but I know my God's bigger than my struggle. And I want him. I want to openly declare I have faults, I have failures, but he's bigger than all of those. Amen. He can take care of your issues, folks. Altars is not a place at church. I want you to understand that. And oft times in history, throughout church history, people thought they had to come to the front of the church to receive help. And I do rest- I, I believe you can receive help. I believe we can pray with you. But I'm telling you, you build an altar in your life. Or that you say, God, no matter where I go, when I'm riding my lawnmower, Greg, he's with me. When I drive down the road, he's with me. When I show up at work, he's with me. I believe my God is able to bear your burdens. He says, cast all your cares upon me. Put my yoke upon you. For my burden is light. I'm telling you, God, in your life, will alter your life I thank you Jennifer for being open and uh, <laughs> amen let's give her a big hand she 